Well, as you know, we are uh, hearing each week uh, teachings from the Lord Jesus himself. Uh, we're fulfilling the Great Commission, and Jesus said, uh, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. So we're spending a whole year at the teachings of Christ. In the last two weeks, we've talked about what Jesus had to say about what? What was it? Remember? Prayer. Yeah, good. Uh, today, we're going to talk about what Jesus has to say about faith. Very closely tied into prayer is faith, and I want you to know exactly what Jesus has to say about faith. Uh, when you think about faith, there's some common ways that we use the term faith. For example, you might think of blind faith. Uh, bl- like faith is something that's blind, and maybe we get accused of believing blindly things that we cannot see. Here's, here's a picture of just, when you think of blind, you think of, you know, oh, this is Christians. They're just blindly following Jesus. You might think of the word blind. Sometimes the word faith makes you think of some sort of a leap. Uh, so here's a picture just of thinking of like a leap of faith. Like, you know, I can't, I don't quite have all of it put together, so I'm going to take this leap uh, of faith. Or maybe I don't quite know how things are going to work out, but I'm going to leap by faith anyway. Maybe when you think of the word faith, you think of it more like a, more like a wish, like I have faith that it's going to happen. So when you think of a wish, you think of maybe a fountain, uh, where you know, wishing well, where you throw a coin in and make a wish or blow out birthday candles and make a wish. And maybe you think of faith as something that uh, harnesses this mystical, immeasurable power that makes things happen. But what exactly does the Bible teach about faith? Uh, what is faith? And why do I need faith? And where do I find faith? And what if I lack faith? Um, Do you want to be a person of great faith? I mean, do you want to be a person who believes God for big things? Uh, Do you want to be a person who walks through times that are dark, through times that are scary, with full confidence in your Lord? Do you want to strive to be tuned in and at peace with God as he does things that you may not fully understand? I think as a believer, you want to be a person who knows what faith is and who has a lot of it. Jesus wants that for you too. So let's pray and then we'll talk about how you can walk by faith according to the Lord himself. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for talking about this word faith. Surely the day is coming when our faith will be made sight. And we will see the glory of God with our own eyes and never again will we wonder or fear. (laughs) I love the thought of that. But for now, there are many things we have to just trust you on. There are many things we simply have to believe. And we understand that walking by faith will unleash your tremendous power. Teach us about faith. Call us to faith. We pray this in your name. Amen. Open up your Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 9. The book of Mark chapter 9. This sermon is going to involve many verses about faith, and we're going to project all of them for you, but we're going to begin the sermon in Mark chapter 9, because this is a great first place to go. This encounter with Christ, this interaction with Christ, really lays out uh, everything that we need to see about faith in the New Testament. So Mark 9, verse 14, little context for you. Jesus decided to take just three of his disciples up on a big mountain. And he burst into light and showed them his glory. And the father was right there speaking. And remember, Moses and Elijah showed up. But he only brought three of his disciples up to see that. The other disciples were down at the bottom of the mountain trying to 
continue doing things, but Jesus left them alone, meaning they were now operating by faith. And things weren't going so great. That's where we pick the story up in verse 14 of Mark chapter 9. Jesus is, uh, he is coming down the mountain, and it says this. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. So there's the disciples, there's a big crowd, and the scribes are like the Bible scholars of the Old Testament who weren't so sure Christ is who he said he was. And they were all arguing with the disciples. So just for a minute, pretend like you're arguing with the person next to you. Go ahead, turn to them and just start arguing. Argue about whatever you want. Argue about politics or bring up gun control or start talking about Obamacare or whatever. Start arguing about football. You don't know what you're talking about. Come on, you can do better than that. I mean, argue with them. You guys are too nice. Christians in church. I heard somebody like, you know what I think about that? I mean, they were going at it. They were arguing. And it says in verse 15, And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to him and greeted him. And he asked them, What are you arguing with, uh, about with them? Someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, Immediately it convulsed the boy. He fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can... All things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I I believe! (laughs) Help my unbelief! And when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. The boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. When he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So many things we learn about faith in this passage. But let me just draw a few few things out of this. The story is that the argument started when the disciples were brought this boy by this father, and elsewhere we learn this was his father's only son. And he struggled. We learn also, I believe in Luke's gospel, that this was epilepsy that this boy struggled with. So he's having grand mal seizures, and um, while there was a health issue, Jesus perceived that there was also a spiritual issue. There was some sort of a demonic element to this. It doesn't mean every health crisis is a demonic crisis. It just means some of them are, and this one was. They brought this boy, and the disciples apparently... When they saw this boy and they saw this problem, they were kind of like, "Uh, I don't really want to try. Why don't you try? Oh, I don't think this one's for me. Thomas, you get up here. And and they they didn't operate by faith. And one of them maybe eventually got over there and tried to do a little something and it didn't work, which 
through the scribes, gave them all the ammunition they needed. See, your Jesus is nothing. You can't do anything. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting. When Jesus shows up, he makes three statements about faith. He first rebukes the crowd. Oh, faithless generation. You were waiting for this not to work, weren't you? Then he takes the father aside and he says, what do you want? Father says, well, I brought my son and brought him to your disciples and I was actually looking for you. You weren't here and your disciples couldn't do anything. And then the father said, if you can do anything, please have compassion on us. Now, the boy had been brought forth, and he fell to the ground having these seizures. He's foaming at the mouth. He's flopping around on the ground. Like, can you imagine right now if somebody just started having these serious, massive seizures and stuff was coming out of their mouth and they were screaming and in such agony? This is what was going on right in front of the crowd. And it was happening on the ground in front of God the Son. Imagine if you brought your child to Jesus and instantly this began to manifest itself. And you have a chance to ask Jesus for, for help. But this father used the word if. If you can do anything, then please help. And while this commotion was happening and this child was in such great need, Jesus first turned to the father and said, If? If I can help. We'll get to the thing you're asking me about in a moment. I'm going to let that continue because there's a faith problem I need to deal with in your heart. Did you just use the word if? And then the father understood that what he was bringing was not a physical health problem in the heart of his son, in the body of his son. He was bringing a faith problem and he was hoping it wouldn't get out. And Jesus called him on it. Did you just say the word if? I'm going to let your son writhe around in agonizing pain for a few more moments because you have a faith problem that I need to fix. Wow. How convicting is that? If? Did you say if? Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Dad, we don't have a, we don't have a physical problem here. I can get this done. You don't believe I can do it. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Hey, have you gotten to that point yet where you go before your Lord and you understand your faith is not where it should be? What you're believing God for, after you've asked the amount of confidence that you have, do you understand that we need to cry out, Lord, help me in my unbelief. I believe, help me in my unbelief. Do you understand that this is, a, this is a request Christ will answer? This is a problem Christ will address? You're saying if. And he'll allow things to get worse until we get the if cleared up. And when you say, help me in my faith, he will. And he'll do that first, and then he'll start taking care of things that you need done. When Jesus saw that a crowd came running, he healed the boy. He, healed, he took care of the faith problem and healed the faith problem. Then he healed the physical problem. Then he went to the disciples and they said, why couldn't we do it? We tried and nothing. We tried again and nothing. Jesus pointed to their lack of prayer in verse 29, but also in a parallel account in Matthew 17, Jesus flat out said it. He said, because you have so little faith. 
by now you should know you can do these things. Even if I'm not here, you should have asked big and prayed bold and you didn't. It's because of your lack of faith. Disciples had a faith problem. Dad had a faith problem. Whole crowd had a faith problem. And Jesus called them all on it. In Luke 17, 5, the apostles all together, we'll put that up on the screen, they knew their need and, and they said this. In Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. I want that to be your prayer this morning. I want you to be saying, Lord, show me how my faith can grow. And let's begin by talking about what exactly is faith. If we want it to grow, if we want to know, well, we need to know what it is. So we spent a whole year last year learning about faith from the heroes of the Old Testament. Here's a basic summary of what we learned. Write this down. There's two basic kinds of faith in the Bible. The first one is called saving faith. Saving faith is a moment of belief that changes eternity. Write that down in your bulletin. Saving faith is a moment a moment of belief that changes eternity. You hear the gospel that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross. He was thrown in a tomb. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to the right hand of God. He's seated on the throne. He extends the free gift of eternal life to anyone who repents and believes the good news. There's a moment in your life when you believe that is true. Even if you were raised in the church and you've heard it a million times, there is one time where you embrace it by faith and you are saved. You are born again. The Bible makes it very clear that this happens in an instant, not over a period of time. And you are brought out of darkness into light. You are raised from death to life. Uh, you, are, you cross over from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his precious son whom he loves. You are adopted as a child of the king. This happens in a moment. All right, it's called saving faith. And the way you respond in an instant to the truth of the gospel determines where you will spend eternity forever. It's saving faith. Things happen to you at the moment of saving faith that can never be reversed. And if you've not been saved and if you don't have a story of how you embrace the truth of the gospel, what you need is saving faith. Now, here's the thing. Next week, we're going to spend a whole day on saving faith. If you have people in your life who don't know Jesus, it would be a great week to bring your friend. But today, we're going to talk about this other kind of faith. It's called walking faith. Write this down. Walking faith, if saving faith is a moment of belief that changes eternity, walking faith is a thousand moments of belief that change endlessly. That change endlessly. Meaning saving faith starts something that doesn't stop. You begin faith, but faith becomes a walk. The initial crisis of being saved starts this ongoing process of learning to walk with your God by faith. That's called walking faith. Now, walking faith can be weak, can be strong, it can grow, it can be tested, can be strengthened, can be renounced, can be destroyed, abandoned, shipwrecked. Walking faith can ruin a believer's testimony. And here's the thing, if we observe a lack of walking faith in the life of a believer, it makes us suspect their saving faith isn't genuine. Okay, the walking faith isn't what saves you, but it proves that you have been saved. Walking faith is the ongoing process of your saving faith of being applied to every area of your life. This walking faith, you can write this down, is this. It's acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is basically, in a nutshell, acting like God is telling the truth. There's a, there's a belief part. God's telling the truth. I, there are some things I have to believe. But there's an action part. And what does James say? Faith without works is what? Almost enough? No. Close enough? No. Dead. Faith without works is dead. So faith is acting like God is telling the truth. 
Uh, Matthew 15, 28, we'll put it up on the screen. It says this, Jesus answered a woman uh, who asked for her daughter to be healed. Jesus answered her, oh woman, great is your faith. He's talking about walking faith. Be it done to you, for you, as you desire. Jesus would make comments to people about the strength or about the uh, size of their faith. And a few times he gave people a compliment. He would say, your faith is big. I'm going to do what you asked. Some things can be big, some things can be small. Check this out. This is a picture of the largest bike on earth. He got into the Guinness Book of World Records because he somehow made and learned to ride the largest bike. That's a big bike, right? Bikes can be big and bikes can be little teeny weeny bikes. Uh, check this next picture out. Certain things can be small. This is a tiny little turtle. Isn't that so cute and small and tiny? Turtles can be small. Bikes can be big. Faith can be small. Faith can be big. We're primarily talking about walking faith here. You can get to a point where your faith is small, weak, uninformed, undeveloped. Or you can get to the point where your walking faith is strong, big. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. Luke 17, 5, we'll put that up on the screen too. Same passage where the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. They knew its faith is here, it needs to be here. Increase our faith. What would Jesus say if you went to him and said, Jesus, increase my faith? What process would he give you? It's fascinating what he said. The Lord said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed. Mustard seed is like really small. It's the smallest of the seeds that they knew at that time. Tiny. Smaller than a grass seed. If you had faith that size, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. What he said was this. Here's the process of growing faith. Take the little faith you have to start with. That's enough. Take whatever you've got, as small as it is. Bring an impossible, unbelievable task to God. He will do it. Your faith will grow. Remember a few weeks ago, Jesus was crazy enough to talk to a tree. Remember? And he killed the tree. And now here he's telling you to go talk to a tree. (laughs) Go talk to the tree and it'll get up and walk and go to the sea and live there forever. Now, trees won't really get up and walk. He's, he's making a point. The point is this. Take your tiny little faith, go to something that could never happen naturally, bring it to your awesome God. When your awesome God does it, your faith will grow. That's it. That's it. You want your faith to grow? You want me to increase your faith? Start with your little faith. Bring me a big thing. I'll do it. Your faith will grow. That's it. That's the process. Faith is acting like God is telling the truth. So here's the next point. We have to understand that faith unleashes God's power. Faithlessness extinguishes God's power. This is so important to understand. Faith unleashes God's power. Faithlessness extinguishes God's power. There are things God will do in your life only if you are walking by faith. This is a conditional, contingent promise. God If he finds faith in you, he will do some things that he couldn't otherwise do. All right? And listen, I know my theology, and I believe just like you, that God is sovereign and strong and has the entire universe in his hand, and he could tell you the end from the beginning. Whatever else you believe about God's sovereignty, add this to it. If you walk by faith, God will unleash his power. If you lack faith, God's power will be extinguished. That's true. He makes it crystal clear in the scripture that there is a one-to-one correspondence between the faith he finds in you and the future he gives to you. You have to believe that. 
Well, prove to me that that's true. Okay, Matthew 9, 29 to 30. Here it comes. Matthew 9, 29 to 30. Blind men came to Jesus and wanted to, be, uh, wanted to be given their sight. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open. Jesus wanted to clearly show that the contact, the connection existed between the faith they brought to him and what he just did for them. Uh, Mark 16, 14, we'll put that up on the screen. Afterward, this is after his resurrection, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table. So he just like warped into the room. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and the hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. He finds faith, he commends it. He finds lack of faith, he rebukes it. He just shows up in the room and what does he do? Well, gentle Jesus with his baby soft hands would only issue blessings, so he starts telling them how amazing they are, right? He says, hey, listen, what's your problem? I died and rose again and showed a bunch of people who came and told you and you haven't believed it yet. That's your loving Jesus who's rebuking lack of faith. Do you see what Jesus, how he treats your faith? Do you see how actively engaged and hands-on he is in your faith growth? He's not back there passive like you figure it out. I'm not even, he's right there growing your faith, but he expects you to reciprocate. He wants you to respond. He's expecting you to go with him here, right? That's how faith works. It's a relationship between you and the Lord that he's growing. Check out Matthew 13, 58. We'll put that up on the screen. Let this sting you. And don't try and make this anything other than what the Bible says. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Boy, I sure wish I could do a lot of things in this church that I did in other churches, but I can't because of your unbelief. Boy, I wish I could go to work in your family like I did in another, in your marriage like another, and your kids like another, but I can't because you lack faith. Don't make that any less alarming and severe than it is. He says, I could have if I found faith, but I can't because of your unbelief. Wow. Just how important is it that we respond to Christ prompting faith? So important. Mark 6, 6 says this, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Just imagine Jesus showing up and you get to spend a day with him. And then he just stops for a moment and he looks at somebody, you know, like Al. And he's just like. And you're like, why did you just look at that guy? And Jesus is like, man, I just had this big gaper delay. I just had to stop and marvel. Marvel at what? You made a whole universe. What catches your eye? I just couldn't believe the lack of faith I saw. I had to stop and marvel at his lack of faith before I moved on with my life-saving journey. Imagine if you're that person. Jesus has given you this look. What are, you, what are you looking at? Looking at me funny. I'm just marveling at your lack of faith. I can't believe it. Wow. Faith unleashes God's power. Faithlessness extinguishes God's power. And so faith is not something Jesus likes to see or prefers to see. It's something he expects to see. It's something he demands to find in the heart of his followers. The point is this. Nobody likes to miss out on something big that could have happened. If you fail to walk by faith, you miss out on big things God wants to do in your life. Now, you, if you know me, you know that I love to watch people lose big on game shows. 
There's just this sick part of me that likes people to see people's hopes dashed right in front of their very eyes. So there's, they had like a college week on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And there was this college girl from Harvard who got up there and she stumbled a little on the $1,000 question. Check this out. $4,000. Denny's restaurants offer a signature breakfast dish named after what sports term? Slam dunk? Touchdown? Knockout? Grand slam. A slam dunk, final answer. Uh-oh. Oh. I meant grand slam. Uh, That's what you said. Oh, I'm sorry, it was grand slam. smart points in life she just lost she's the girl who didn't know the denny's question (laughs) sorry she's from harvard and she didn't know the denny's question i love it now here's the thing she walked away with your thousand dollars enjoy it she's like oh it could have been so good uh when, when the bible talks about faith you need to understand this is true If I don't bring faith, if I don't respond to Christ's call to faith, if I don't walk by faith, I miss out on things that God wants to do. I'm that, oh, no, I just missed out on something God wanted to do because I didn't choose faith. Nobody likes to miss out on big things that could have happened. Christ is calling you to faith. A little theology for you here just to be clear. I love how one scholar says, faith enables, lack of faith cripples. But he goes on to talk about how faith itself is not a force. Okay, it's not like your faith, your faith generates this mystical power that affects things to happen. Some people teach you that, that it's your faith that somehow is the force that makes your thing come true. That's not true. Okay, faith itself is not a force. Also, we don't believe that faith gives us some magical ability. Like once I put faith in, then I become this guru-type figure who can cast things and change things. You don't get power. Okay, you don't get magical ability because you're a person of faith or a religious person. Okay. Um, Also, we have to understand that God is the one who brings the power. Through faith, God gets the glory for working. So faith is therefore a relational posture that moves God to act. You get that? It's a relational posture that moves God to act. That's what faith is. So what is faith? Well, there's saving faith. It's just a moment that changes eternity. Walking faith is a thousand moments of belief that change endlessly. Faith is acting like God's telling the truth, and it unleashes his power. Faithlessness extinguishes God's power. Jesus spends a whole lot of time helping us spot some symptoms of lack of faith. So let's go on to those. Some symptoms of lack of faith. We're going to go right to the first one. Um, here's the first one. You can write it down. The first symptom of lack of faith is fear. Write that down. Fear. Fear. And we're going to skip to Luke 8.25 for those doing the projection. Let me put that up on the screen. Here's Luke 8.25. Jesus said to them, they're in the boat, the storm is raging, and they woke Jesus up. Remember that story? Wake up, we're all going to die. And he looked at him and said, where is your faith? Maybe he's saying that to you this morning. 
They're all wrapped up in fear, letting fear take over, steer the wheel of your life, fear directing you away from faith, fear directing you into self-destructive decisions, fear making you freak out, affects your eating, affects your sleeping. Fear, fear, fear. Sometimes I hear people telling me about their problems, and it's, it's one big megaphone of fear. Here's all of my fears, all of my fears, my fears of my family, fears of my marriage, fears of my children, fears of my finances, fear, fear, fear. And Jesus says, where is your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, who then is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? See, their faith grew. They ran to him terrified, asked him to do a big thing, and he changed the weather around them. But fear can put out your faith. Are you allowing fear to be the guiding force in your life? You're allowing your fears to steer you away from obedience? This happens so frequently. So frequently. Here's the next one, doubt. Doubt can put out your faith. Fear and doubt. Luke 1, verses 19 to 20. A little background. You remember John the Baptist's daddy. His name was Zechariah. He was a priest. He's one of the first people God told that Jesus was coming into the world. An angel appeared to Zechariah in the temple and announced this good news to him. But do you remember what he did? He doubted. He didn't believe it was true. So in Luke 8, 25, or Luke 1, 19 to 20, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak till the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So powerful. Gabriel said, I'm an angel. I just came from heaven, and I told you something that's going to happen. You didn't believe what I said was true. Now you can't talk for nine months. Boom. You're judged. Why? Because you didn't believe what I just said. You should have had. You should have known better. You're a scholar. You're a priest. You know your Old Testament. should have known better than to doubt me. Bam. Your lip is zipped up for nine months. You're not saying a word. He went out, there there were thousands of people. He went outside and he had to like communicate through charades to tell them that he just saw an angel and the angel took away his voice. Made him the laughing stock of the priesthood. Why? Lack of faith, lack of faith, doubt, doubt, doubt. I'm told one thing by God, I don't think it can be true. Doubt, fear, doubt. The next one's a little more tricky. It's not spiritually tuned in to the bigger picture. Another symptom of lack of faith, fear, doubt, not being spiritually tuned into the bigger picture. Uh, let me explain what I mean. Jesus had fed the 5,000 through his disciples. He expected they would learn a whole lot about faith and his ability and his plan from that. They didn't quite take the time to reflect on it. So then when another opportunity came around where he mentioned something about bread, they started talking about the wrong thing. So in Matthew 16, 8 to 9, we'll put that on the screen. But Jesus, aware of this, said, Oh, you of little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Listen, do you not yet perceive, do you not remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets you gathered? What's he doing? He's saying, you're too slow in piecing together everything that I have shown you. Because you lack faith, you haven't taken all the things you've learned and all the things I've done in your life and put the puzzle together. By now, you should be seeing what I'm trying to do in your life. You lack faith. Or, or, or I've told you things through my people and through the preaching that you're not listening to. 
okay, why are you so slow to piece this together? He'll say from time to time, Jesus will say, why are you so dull to listen? Why are you so slow to understand? Meaning I've been saying some things to you that you're not piecing together. I've done some things in your life that you haven't stopped, stepped back, and said, ah, I'm starting to figure it out. Sometimes people have their head down and they're just going one thing to another and they don't stop and step back and by faith figure out exactly what God's doing in their life. And that whole confusion and disorientation and lack of spiritual awareness shows a lack of faith. It shows a lack of faith. Fear, doubt, not spiritually tuned into the bigger picture. The next one is worry. Worry. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about Martha and Mary and Every morning, Martha will call you off to the to-do list and promise you that at the end of the checklist, you will find peace and joy and godliness and faith and time and all that is a lie. You first go to the feet of Jesus and you find peace and joy and faith and love and you pick those up and bring them with you to your busy life. But worrying, worrying, worrying. What if God doesn't? What if this doesn't happen? How am I going to figure this out? Worrying is a God replacement plan. Worrying believes I'm much better at micromanaging all the details of my life than God. Worrying is a God replacement plan, and it kills faith. Matthew 6.30 says this, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Worry. The last one is sin. Sin. Sin is a symptom of lack of faith. Peter, tonight you're going to deny me. No, I'm not. No, you will. Three times. The rooster will crow, you'll deny me. No, I'm not. I'll go with you to death. No, you're going to deny me tonight. Though I'll deny you, I will not deny you. This is, this is a person who's refusing to listen to the warning of sin that's coming from the mouth of Jesus himself. I'm not listening to that. I know what I am capable of. And then Peter goes over a cliff, right? Jesus tried to warn him. He didn't listen to the warning, went over the cliff. That's a sign of a lack of faith, is sin. Right? I'm not listening to the warnings. Luke twenty two thirty two. I love this, though. Jesus says, but Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Isn't it encouraging? God isn't hands off with your faith. He's right there in it saying, you know, this is live. This is real. I just went over there and prayed for you because God's going to need to help your faith from being ruined tonight. Jesus prayed for you. And after you fail, I'm going to want you to turn back and strengthen your brothers, okay? Wow. Jesus wants to grow your faith. Fear, doubt, lack of discernment, worry, sin. Those are all the things that put your faith out. So, so how do I get this faith going? Like, if I, okay, avoid fear, doubt, start piecing things together, don't worry, don't sin, okay, but like, what are some of the things that I can do to embolden my faith? Well, there's four statements of faith that are commonly found in the New Testament. These are things you can begin to say, to pray, as your testimony of faith as God is working. So here's four statements of faith that you can apply to your life. First, I believe he is able to do this. Write that down. I believe he is able to do this. What is it in your life that you want God to do, that you would long for God to do, that you're trusting God to do, that you hope God will do? What is that? What is that? Have you gone to him and said, I believe you are able to do this, to bring back my prodigal, to save my loved one, to fix my finances. I believe you are able to do this. That statement of faith comes up in Scripture a lot. Matthew 9, 28 to 29. I like this. The blind, some uh, 
blind man came to Jesus and it was very clear what they wanted. They found their way to him. And, but Jesus paused for a moment. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Well, we came all the way here. I mean, we're in front of you, right? Pause, pause. Uh, before we get any further, let me ask you a question. Do you believe I am able to do this? You see, Jesus will give you a period of delay in which you can state expressions of faith to your Lord and to those around you. You can say things like, you know what? My housing situation is really messed up, but by faith I believe God's able to do this. Are you saying that? Are you talking like that? Are you saying that to God? Are you saying that to other people? Are you saying that to yourself? That's faith. I know you can. I know you are able. Here's the next one. I believe what I heard from him or about him. I believe what I heard from him or about him. Your circumstances are going to tempt you to believe things that are not true about your God. You know what, Lord? I believe what I've heard about you. I believe you're good. I believe you're true. I believe you're faithful. I believe you're just. Say these things to him by faith before you can actually say it by sight. And things that God said to you, believe them. Lord, I believe that you told me, you told me this. It says in the Bible that this is true, and I'm going to call you on your word, Lord, and trust you. Mark 5, 36 to 37, synagogue ruler came. His little girl was dying, and he came to Jesus to ask for help. And every father's nightmare, here this little girl is about to die. And while the synagogue ruler was on his way home, he got word that his little girl died. Like Jesus was like hundreds of feet away. So close. But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear. Just imagine that. You just got news that your child died. Jesus looks at you and says, don't fear. I already told you I'm coming. Only believe. Crisis. Crisis. Jesus just told me if we keep walking, he's going to raise my little girl up. Okay, I'll keep coming then. See, and whatever it is that Christ has told you in his word, even if circumstances seem to indicate that it isn't going to be done, he's saying the same thing to you. Don't fear. Believe. Don't fear. Believe. I believe what I heard from him. I believe what I heard about him. The third one is this. I believe he can do the impossible. I believe he can do the impossible. Whatever it is in my life that I would say is an impossible problem to fix, an impossible person to change, an impossible, impossible blessing. It's impossible. That's what you bring to him. I believe he can do the impossible. Matthew 17, 20, we'll put it on the screen. He said to them, why couldn't we do it? He said to them, because of your little faith. For I say to you, truly, if you will have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus said, I'm going to go over my calculator. I'm going to tally up the total number of things that I can't do for you when you have faith. I'm going to come back. And uh, I came up with a grand total of zero things that I would consider impossible if you have faith. Zero? Zero. Nothing will be impossible for you if you're walking by faith. I believe he can do the impossible. Lord, I'm assuming you can. 
It looks impossible, but the problem's too big. It's too broken. The relationship is. It's taken too long. I've given up hope. I've lost heart. Hey, it's it's possible. It's possible. The last one is this. I believe what I can't see yet. I believe not only he's able to do this, I believe what I heard from him or about him, I believe he can do the impossible. And the last one is I believe what I cannot yet see. John 20, 29, Jesus is, of course, talking to Doubting Thomas, and he said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hey, we believe a lot of things that we haven't seen yet. Am I right? We believe the trumpet will sound. We believe the Lord will descend. We believe the sky will roll up like a scroll. We believe the dead will be raised and judgment will come upon all. We believe we'll dwell with him forever in the presence of the Lord. We believe all those things. These things we're believing in this life are lesser things, smaller things, easier things. We believe God's going to redo the whole universe. Whatever else we bring to him that we can't quite see yet, we need to trust him for. Prayer is... Really, truly, the natural expression of faith. So here at the end, I want to tie this together with the last two weeks when we've talked about faith. Because I know that sometimes there can be confusion if we focus on one or two elements of faith and prayer and we miss out on how the other ones play in. So show that diagram again that we've been learning the past couple weeks. Here is a full orb view of what prayer looks like and basically what faith should include. All right? First, Jesus taught us that we have to have the boldness to go into his presence, con- uh, boldness to go into his presence and ask that mountains would move. That's the first part. But then also we have to have the confidence to stand up from that prayer time before the mountain moves and act like we got a yes before God reveals the answers, anything else. But then there's the humility part where we have to say, but Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And even if God gives us a no, we need to be content with that. It's important, however, to not make the humility thing, the only thing. Like, I'm so humble, I'm not even going to ask God to do anything. Or I'm just going to ask Him to do His will, whatever that is. Okay, that might be humble, but that's not bold or confident. See? It has to be bold, and it has to be confident, and it has to be humble. God also said that we have to be loving, understanding that this faith thing is not just a me and God thing, it's an us thing. And if I'm not keeping my relationships in good order along the way, if this isn't a we thing, we're missing the whole part. Right? If we've forgotten to love... Whatever else we remember, we've forgotten everything. Okay, So there's the loving, and then there's the persistence to just keep coming, to always pray and to never lose heart. If you bring these things to your prayer life, this is what it means to pray by faith. This is what it means to walk by faith. But you can't even swap one of those out. You've got to have all of them in there. And I thought it would be helpful just at the end here for me to just pray a prayer for our congregation. You know, it's a big time as we're looking to buy this building. And I thought if I just prayed a prayer that included all of these things, maybe that would be helpful for you to hear it and then to say, okay, that's what it sounds like. I'm going to take that and I'm going to start praying about other things in my life. And I'm going to start believing by faith other things in my life, including everything Christ has called me to include in this relationship with God. So let's just do this. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Okay. In fact, I'm going to kneel down up here and I'm just going to say a prayer for our congregation and allow this to be a role model. Allow this to be something that instructs your prayer life this week as you put this into practice. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I believe that you have called us to pray boldly. So boldly your church comes into your presence with a great request. You have laid before us this awesome opportunity to purchase a building 
We believe that we can do better ministry in it. We believe we can do more ministry in it. So by faith, we ask that you would give us this home. Lord, we've been praying for $500,000 by February 15th, but we know you're an awesome God, so I go even further than that. I pray that you would give us $1.5 million by February 15th so we can pay cash for this building. Lord, I pray boldly that we would buy it, and I know that you are able to do this. In fact, this prayer, after I pray it, I will walk around assuming that you have given us a yes. I will trust that you are able to do this. But Lord, humbly, I understand that I want your will to be done. So I have an open hand. Lord, I don't cling to this. I don't demand this. This whole thing can fall through and my faith would not fail. Lord, I understand that this is more than just a financial transaction. You're forming the hearts of your people to be loving, to be faithful. So help this to be an us thing. Help us not to take our eyes off of the people who are involved. Help us to show true love toward one another. And Lord, we persist. Even though we have asked you already hundreds of times over two years to do this, again we come into your presence. Again we ask you for the same thing. You are an awesome God. And as we walk by faith, we trust you will do nothing less than awesome things. And we pray this in Jesus' name.